I want to make sure everybody around me my entire life is having a great time. So it's been, whether it's been in concert production or just throwing a simple party, everything that I do in trail running has blossomed from my experience of life and just throwing great events. Hello and welcome to the Race Mob Podcast. This is episode number seven. I'm Kevin, entrepreneur, technology and fitness nerd, and the founder of Race Mob. I'm joined by master motivator, founder of Too Legit Fitness, co-chair of the Taji 100, RRCA certified coach, USA track and field certified official, the incomparable Bertrand Newsom. We're excited to welcome Greg Lanstott to the show. Greg runs Pacific Coast Trail Runs and is a race director known for setting up difficult courses and having amazing food. In today's episode, we talk about Greg's history with trail running, his experience at Western States, which is the OG of the 100-mile ultramarathon, and the role injuries have played. We talk about some of the differences between trail running and road racing, and why every runner should experience at least one trail run. We also chat about Greg's involvement with sports programs that benefit the youth. And we get to chat about PCTR's latest endeavor, Open Course Racing, which they're pioneering with the inaugural Together Relay event. This is a 70-segment race spanning almost 400 miles that covers most of the Bay Area Ridge Trails, from trails in the south near Morgan Hill all the way up to Calistoga. It's a technical feat to be sure. They've mapped out 70 segments and it seamlessly syncs with the GPS runs in your Power Lab account. We get all of the nitty gritty details. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Greg. All right. We're so excited to welcome Greg to the Race Mode Podcast. Greg runs Pacific Coast Trail Runs. Greg, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about Pacific Coast Trail Runs. A little bit about myself. No, we not long. It's first and foremost, I'm passionate about trail running. That's uh, due to a fortunate back injury and surgery. It went from a, a hobby and being president and race director for Quicksilver Endurance Runs and the running club here in, in South San Jose. Born and raised Santa Clara County, Los Gatos. My uh, beautiful wife, Jennifer Lopez, would get on me for that <laughs> one. But, uh, and co-race director, right, of Pacific Coast Trail Runs. Mm-hmm. Just love all sports. I love competition. Uh, I love creating great experiences. The bottom line is if if I'm not having a good time, then I want to make sure everybody around me my entire life is having a great time. So it's been, whether it's been in concert production or just throwing a, a simple party, everything that I do in trail running has blossomed from my experience of life of just throwing great events. So trail running is what I love. I can't really do it much because of my entry and potential too much beer. There we go. We got cheers for yeah, sure. Let's race my podcast. Here we go. So. We were up in Russian River, Salt Point. We had a little private uh, camping event, so I picked up some beer. This is the Pilsner. We're going to go light here. I'll be going IPAs in a couple hours. Over. <laughs> oh, that is good. Oh, one more. Hold on. Yeah, so PCTR is now, we are the, I guess, fourth generation of owners. The historical background we won't go into, but it's essentially the the oldest race company in the United States that's producing multiple distance races at one time, you know, giving, looking back, or if you talk to any, a lot of the veteran runners, experienced, mature runners, they will tell you that PCTR was probably their first race. Wow. It's great. First race isn't going to be Western States or, you know, they're, but here in Northern California and even uh, Southern California and up into Oregon, 
Pacific Coast Trail Runs has, has been around. So uh, I'm just glad that it's a brand that I ran with. The opportunity was there. In fact, the deal was struck at Western States at the Mountain Bar right there in Forest Hill. And uh, it took us a few months to iron it out. But uh, from John Brooks and Marine Books, I was very happy to take this on with my wife. And here we go. So now it's COVID era and uh, we got no races and uh, let's get creative. So Awesome. Talk to us a little bit about the back injury and what got you into trail running. And Well, there were a lot of beers involved. I was in Fiji <laughs> with my buddy Rajak. He's local to the island, his family. And so we got to experience it in a whole unique way. We paid an islander to get in a dinghy and go island hopping in the South Pacific Ocean. And we were feeling it, feeling really good. And the last stop was going to be Tavarua, very famous island, Mark Akablupa, uh, leased from the Fijian government. And we hit mm-hmm. a wake and we got launched up in the air. Oh my, God. Um, my buddy cracked some ribs. I ended up cracking my tailbone and didn't know it. Got back home. <laughs> Doctor's like, do you want to have babies? I go, yeah. He goes, then no nerve pain, no nothing. I'm, then you're good. Fast forward, playing tennis and ultra running the flexion and rotation and stuff, eventually it just snapped again. So my my S1 split just kicked out. Now I'm all fused from both sides. So I got two big scars up and down my back. And they told me that this surgery would get me to running again, but it's been really hard. It's painful. So uh, I'll stick to drinking and race directing. So <laughs> One, Greg, you know, thank you for sharing that story mm-hmm. with us. I do recall that you've had a recent milestone birthday, right? And didn't you log a significant distance on that milestone birthday with some hydration involved as well? Yes. The surgery was four and a half years ago. I just turned 50 Mm -hmm. last year. So yeah, I did something stupid like let's go run, you know, a bunch of mileage and drink a bunch of alcohol. So yeah, I'm not one of the smartest guys on the planet, but I am one of the most fun loving guys on the planet. So yeah, we had fun. Charismatic. Didn't quite make it. We were supposed to end up at a winery, Thomas Fogarty Winery up on Skyline Boulevard. And instead, I just said, hey, guys, I think 26 is good. Let's just let's just give me a ride to the winery. So we went in there, stinking up the joint, and then turned into had a big party in Los Gatos that night. Good stuff. We'll talk about Pacifico's trail runs, but let's stay with you directly, okay. G-Man. All right. Your trail running history, okay. in particular, in many cases, the granddaddy of them all, the OG of all trail races, Western states. Let's jump right into that, right in the Western states. How it got on your personal radar, yeah. the lead up to it, and then the race day experience, and then how you've been supporting that race in subsequent years, man. It's great. Great stuff what you're doing. Glad you brought that up. Yeah, Jim McGill, 10-time Western States finisher, defunct Yahoo group leader, El Presidente at the Quicksilver Running Club. We met at uh, the North Face Endurance Challenge one year, and we were sharing a bunk, and he's like, oh, you're from San Jose? He goes, yeah, you should join the club. So. End up joining the club, and the next thing you know, I found out that Quicksilver has been hosting the Duncan Canyon aid station for all these years. And hmm. he goes, why don't you come up? We camp for a few days, and we just volunteer. And I'm like, cool. So the year before was the fire, what's called the Star Fire, which is actually near Duncan Canyon, French Meadows Reservoir up there. So immediately got immersed in all the history of it. All the old school Quicksilver people were there. And, and then Dorsey Moore, who at the time was our aid station captain for Duncan Canyon for Western States goes, Hey, here's a megaphone and go for it. Go for what? He goes, well, just talk just like, you know, you, <laughs> I, I, at the campfire last night, I can tell this is the perfect job for you. Just talk, yeah. just entertain people. Smart guy. They found the right guy without question. Yep. So he gives me the program and he goes, here, there's some names. It tells you where they're from. 
just start talking. And I'm like, okay. So I start talking. And next thing you know, I'm like, I'm talking about their outfits, you know, whether or not they're having a good or bad hair day to start turning up some music. And it just turned into a great experience. And then uh, obviously joined uh, Quicksilver. Jim McGill and I led a team to reorganize the Quicksilver Running Club. Uh, we looked at liability, heavy drinking at the Quicksilver Endurance Run. So, you know, Quicksilver was known for the post-race food, or still is, right? But now with public health, environmental health, things have changed. But we saw liability being a big thing. Unlimited drinking after trail running and food. And we just realized that we needed to get insurance, get a little more organized. So we organized the club. Everything just has evolved from there. But my Western States involvement, every other year, you'll find me being the entertainer, the host, the MC at Duncan Canyon in whatever costume it is of the year, the music we pick and the theme. And again, it's like, it's the first time the runner sees any cruise or any fanfare at all. So all the eight stations leading up to Duncan Canyon and mile 24 is strictly non-crew. It's just volunteers. So when they get to us, it is a total adrenaline rush. And our goal is to really get their blood pumping so much that they burn themselves out on the way up to uh, Robinson Flat. So, you know, anyway, no, but that's yeah. the true first canyon is Duncan Canyon. It's a nice little up, down and up. What mile marker is that? It's at, well, it was 23.8. It's now 24.4. I'll let you guys uh, race mob do your uh, homework on that one. But, <laughs> I mean, it'll be two, 300 people deep. We have them lined off. We've got 60 volunteers alone running that aid station. I'll give credit to wow. uh, the wow. aid station wow. captain is Christine, and she has been doing that for got it probably about seven years now wow. uh, another 10-time finisher a quicksilver member mm. but again mm. that's every year i'll make sure there'll never be a pctr race on western states i'll always be at western states obviously this year we didn't do it so it's a little uh, you know I, we all feel a little emotional because it's i'm more excited about that probably than producing any pctr race it's just to be up there you know the thousands of people that surround the event the crews it's it's intense it really is and then I even actually got to pay somebody two years ago, Nick Cunder, fellow club mate. Somebody had gotten hurt. And I'm like, he's like, Greg, can you do this? You know, you look a little out of shape. And I'm like, dude, I can walk 38 miles with anybody. I don't care how many times <laughs> I'll get you the food right. line. So uh, we stretched it. We got him in with like 10 minutes to go. Oh, but nice. I, yeah, yeah. I had no business being out there, but it, it doesn't matter. It's like, just let's go. You got to go. And then I finished it once. And I was a 29-hour finisher. I had broken bones on my foot. I couldn't get um, a deferral. They didn't have the system in place in 2013 that allowed me to take a year off. I had broken two bones in my foot at San Diego 100 a year before, and the sesamoid bone never really fully healed. So it necroded. So I had all these needles in the bottom of my foot. Ooh. And the week after Western States, I had surgery to remove all that uh, tissue and broken bones that were in there. So, but like uh, painkillers are great. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you ran. Western States, knowing you had a busted foot. <laughs> I mean, I knew I'd probably never get in the race again. Bad ass. So I had to do it. Uh, but the best part, and Lauren Lewis will tell you this, is that I actually coordinated a drop bag with beer in it on ice <laughs> to get to <laughs> an aid station. Um, and so, and Lauren goes, Greg, you know I don't drink, right? I go, well, yeah, but I didn't think you were going to be pacing me. And it doesn't really matter. But he goes, the fact that you had a beer on ice waiting for me as my pace, I'm like, well, you know, I'm always thinking of you, bro. I'm always thinking of you. But, uh, so anyway, uh, we got to enjoy a few beers. I don't know if it's Auburn Lake Trails, I think was an aid station, uh, or drop bag drop. Uh, but that was cool. How deep were you in? I think it was about 80, 
think uh, Auburn Lake Trails is around 84, maybe, or 82. Okay. So it was like mm-hmm. a, a breakfast beer. Uh, <laughs> maybe, and, you know, yeah. It was <laughs> I mean, for our audience that doesn't know what Western States is, can you yeah. kind of explain what it is, why it is the OG? Yeah, you know, it's the oldest 100-mile uh, race. Yeah. First and foremost, uh, you know, the history, I don't want to like break that down too much. I just know that this uh, six foot 20 uh, lumberjack Gordy, <laughs> you know, with flowing locks of hair and, and uh, physique, maybe killed his horse and then decided he wanted to create a race. No, no, no. <laughs> his horse got hurt. And then he goes like, hey, I'll just race you guys on foot. And wow. you know, back then it's like, you know, licking the, the streams and, you know, there's no aid stations. There's nobody... <laughs> You know, with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches out there for you or anything like that. But a couple of people did it. The next year, it just sort of grew. And I think it became an official event maybe three or four years into it. But uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. so, but it's the thing. And, you know, there's a lot harder races to do in the world, but it's just iconic, you know, just the layers to it starting, you know, in Squaw Valley and immediately going from, you know, 6,000 feet to getting up into nine, 10,000, not 10, but you're getting up there. Wow. Wow. Profile. To the finish with you know the canyons starting at duncan canyon let's set yep. the record straight you <laughs> will see the temperatures up the year i did it was the second hottest year on record really we know that in the canyons oh. it was you know 115 and it was you know 100 plus at auburn forest hill but it was it was awesome wow. it was just i mean for me <laughs> you know you just have to plan a little harder and You've got support every four miles for the most part. Uh, we'll call it an over aid stationed uh, course. It's got plenty of service along the way. So, but it's awesome. And what does training look like for, I mean, 100 mile event? Wow, that's a good question. I was a personal trainer in my previous life. So I always trained between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. So I was always training in the heat. Yeah, I do lighter workouts. I wouldn't run back to back days ever. Because I believed in recovery, and as a trainer, you know that you need that forty-eight hours. I wasn't a runner. I'm, I'm still not a runner. I'm just like I want to do something, and I just want to experience challenges. Right? Go have. I mean, I miss being alone in the dark at night in the forest because I'm scared. You know, um, I miss that. I I miss the pain of pushing. You know, my body when I know maybe I should stop, and that pain's not a good pain. I miss the emotions at the finish line. I miss all these different things. And so training for me was never about training for 100 miles. It was just training just to get some miles in. You know, I never had a 100 mile program. I never had, I never really tapered. I was already tapering the whole way. I'll tell you, I did have a coach that year. So Ian Sharman, a good friend, was my coach. And he knew about my sesamoid necrosis. And he goes, all right, well, you're just going to do a lot of hiking and a lot of weight packs and just focus on your hiking mm-hmm. because I couldn't get up extension on my toes. So I couldn't run uphill because if I was in any toe flexion or whatever, then that would be causing the pain. So I was a great power hiker. I still probably walk faster than anybody through Safeway. Uh, <laughs> I changed my program for that. Other than that, it's just really about understanding heat and understanding clothes or shoe changes, nutrition. Like I focus more on practicing calorie intake and understanding that as a, as a retired personal trainer, that's what it's all about. Like when I talk to runners today, I'm like, well, how many calories do you take about an hour in an hour? Like calories. And this is a common conversation I have with people. Like they're not counting their calorie intake or understanding how much they're burning and things like that. So again, for me, it's like, 
I'm not training for 100 miles. I'm training for the experience, really, is what I do. And then just being prepared to handle that experience. For me, it's not mileage. Sure, my speed work is, hey, let's go do a 5K. You know, that's my speed work, you know, and sure, Ian got me doing some progression runs and strides and or whatever, all those things, fancy things and stuff. And it was fun. But the best part about a hundred mile race is not training for the hundred mile race. Like (laughs) if you ask me about mileage, I just deviate away from that and go, it's all about the experience. You need to focus on the experience of a hundred miles. You need to get your crew planned to where they're going to sleep, where they're going to eat, where they're going to take breaks, who they can talk to when they're out there, what you're going to eat, how to feed me how to get my shoes, where to be. And I mean, here's the best story. At Western States, I've got my mom, my dad. I got, well, both my moms out there. My dad was a couple of my best friends, my sister, my niece. And I show up at Forest Hill and nobody's there. I'm thinking, (laughs) how how can that one person be at Forest Hill? Like it's the center of the universe, right? Like, hey guys, just, just be at Forest Hill. I'll see you guys there. They're all coming in. Greg Lansaw. Yeah. You guys hear that? Nobody heard that? They weren't even there. So were you crushing? No, no. Well, I was my foot and I was looking forward to crushing beers, but <laughs> so I'm thinking, wait, how is this happening right now? And I'm like, because they got my headlamp. I gotta get I gotta do a shoe change. I, you know, I'm gonna do this, that, oh, wow. change. Right. I gotta be prepared. Like it's the nighttime, you gotta get ready for it in a few hours. So I'm like, WTF. <laughs> so guess what? Here comes my buddy. Hey Greg, what's up? Dude, where you been? I'm like, where you been, bro? I'm right here. I'm waiting for you. So, turns out, um, he was just getting so caught up in the moment and and talking with people. He never saw me come in. But my parents got their car total. Oh no! Oh, my God, they come up. I go, where you guys been? Like, I'm really intense. You know, you know, if you know me, I'll elevate a little bit. And they're like, Greg, we totaled the car. And I'm like, my car, the one you drove from Squaw Valley to the finish line, like. So fast forward is a bunch of deer took out their car. Oh, wow. And so the deer hop over. If you guys are ever on any side roads or mountain roads, backcountry, these deer, you know, anytime. But it it was basically like Santa Claus (laughs) in a sleigh with all of the reindeer, but there was no sleigh. My sister saw that they were just jumping over and then one just cracked into my dad's car and that was it. So they they were delayed. But yeah, that was a great story. 2013. Anyway. How long were you, did you wait for them at the aid station? 45 minutes. Okay. All right. Yep. I'm such a math junkie and I had everything all calculated out. I knew I still had time to walk it in. So my buddy did get me to do some six minute miles down Cal um, Street. Wow. And finally, I just said, to wow. dude, I'm done. Dude, stop. He goes, come on, you got to go. Let's go. <laughs> this old lady's passing you up. But I go, I'm like, you don't realize that Barbara Ash is a pretty much a badass. <laughs> she doesn't want to hear that. Right. Anyway, but uh, it was fun. If I do focus on getting back in shape or really drilling the core again, the low back, it, it's possible. It is possible. But I've been so busy producing races and, and, and literally it's backbreaking work being a race director. It's not point and shoot and everybody does stuff for you. It's, you know, I'm doing a lot of the heavy lifting and we're skeleton staffs, lots of volunteers and you got to lead by example. So often I figure, hey, I need to get a workout in anyway. So gee, what was that finishing experience like in Western States? Just take us to that, you know, the oh. making your way. Is it Auburn, the high school there? Yeah, Placer High. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's the one photo that well, I've saved a few of them from the race, but the one photo that somebody caught was me tipping my cap to John Menzer and Lisa Henson up in the announcer's booth. And if you come in, as, as, when you enter the race, 
you get a questionnaire sent to you. And this questionnaire is going to go to John and Lisa and even Tia Bodington's even up there doing some after hour stuff when John needs to get his rest. But he announces who you are, your experience or just things, who you want to thank and all that stuff. That's sort of cool. So and I wasn't running. So I just let John talk the whole time. I'm walking the last hundred yards. I didn't run it in. I just walked right. in. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you know, right. Dad always said, hey, walk down the hill and wave to them all. Right. Anyway, <laughs> the problem was it was so hot that there really wasn't the fanfare you you see at normal years. When people <laughs> oh, get okay. People trying to grab some shade. Yeah. They'll go grab the shade and the bleachers are firing hot. You can't even sit on them. You can't bring alcohol in the high school. So that deteriorates some people too as well. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, for me, the experience, it, just finishing it is coming through. Once you hit Rob, Roby Street, Roby Point coming up, climbing the neighbors, that sort of that last mile is your victory lap. It really is. Yeah. Entering the high school and stadium and hearing John, it really is a mile experience. You know, you're getting up that hill. You know, you're getting down that hill. You're entering, you're breaking the gates. You're hitting the turf right around the loop. That's quite the experience for sure. So, tears. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yep. I mean, just talking to you, it sounds a little bit like trail running is almost a different sport than road running. And so, for road runners or people that have run marathons, mm -hmm. what advice would you give them if they want to transition or want to at least experience this different world of trail running? Get to know the community. It, generally, somebody is going to bring you in, right? There's it, whether it's you mm -hmm. stumble across a podcast. Or it's a mm -hmm. friend, hey, I just did this 8K trail race at uh, Saratoga. Wow, it sounded fun. Yeah, these trees were amazing. Like, there's just, it's not about, did you see my medal? Wow, my shirt, taking a selfie. I'm sure all that stuff happens in trail running. But, you know, just going out, oh, my God, it was so cool. Like, I was walking. People are so nice, right? It, it's not intimidating at all. The courses are intimidating, but the people aren't intimidating. You know, it's, um, it's a much different environment than... You know, if you go to a road race and you see somebody doing their butt kickers and their, you know, Frankenstein walks <laughs> and, leg swings and, you know, they're doing their, their, their speed paces or, or that, you know, you actually <laughs> step into somebody's $45,000 bike in a triathlon, you know, things will happen, right? You know, so you, so just come on out, do your own thing. It's really supportive. You're going to be surprised when if you fall, somebody will stay till the end to make sure you get up or just being prepared and knowing that things are green now and in the COVID era now you need to be prepared with your nutrition you know I mean there's yep. you're talking about a whole new set of circumstances now so just go for the easiest one look up uh, reviews to see if there's an experience there you know and what it is that why people like being at that race you know if it's about swags one thing but if it's you know hey if the food's really good at the end you know this ain't a bag bagel and banana bar you know <laughs> what we do. it's totally different but I think once people do it, then it's like, wow, where do I get more? Yeah. And, then, and that is one thing to just keep in mind. Your first trail run, I mean, don't look for time. Don't look for, hey, this is what I normally run a 5K. This is normally what I run a 10K in because yeah. the trails are so different. I mean, obviously, there's elevation gain. There's uh, everything else. There's footing and you're going to have to like watch your foot and feet yeah. as you're going through the trails and all of that. So, so don't do it for time. And that community is so supportive in terms of, you know, they will help you along the way. And even if you're not Absolutely. a runner, there's a whole hiking community out there that, Absolutely. you know, we start. And so that's what I love about trail running is, you know, there's road races. If you want speed, you want to get to that finish line. But then there's trail running if you want to explore nature and explore your surroundings, which is, which is fantastic, yeah, which is awesome. Sure. 
for sure. And Greg, you alluded to some of the changes in in the midst of the pandemic, and you've been an innovator in many areas as it relates to racing, specifically trail racing. We'll get more into that. But I also wanted to talk about a soft spot in your heart uh-uh. regarding youth. Don't make me cry. Don't make me cry. <laughs> you've mentioned that you were a personal trainer. Yeah. But let's talk about yeah. your involvement, especially in the city, San Francisco, yeah. and some of the outreach you've done. You've done your homework, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually fitting because I'm thinking about reaching back out to Gavin Newsom for a specific uh, project that really got me involved with kids, especially at-risk youth, or as they call them, at-promise youth now. Uh, he had a, an event called March Gladness in which paired a city official with a public servant, usually a fireman or police officer, uh, and one of the youth from the Bayview Hunters Point. And I think I'd always been coaching kids, always been like helping out my friends' teams. And, you know, I played baseball in college, I, I, any sport like I could coach and teach. And I just always volunteered my time. And then I did this and ended up founding the Junior Giants program for Baby Center's Point for the Giants Community Fund. I worked with a gentleman by the name of Idris Pearson, who uh, ran the basketball program at the YMCA there. They hadn't had Little League in like eight years. Like they didn't know baseball. There's no, I mean, you, we don't need to go down the broken part of the society that happens there. But the Giants came in there and I met Gavin. I met uh, Malia Cohn. I met Stephanie. She's still the leader of it. She's been there 20 years. And they asked me, hey, I heard you play baseball. How would you like to be part of the Junior Giants? I hear you're a season to goer for the Giants. And I'm like, uh, what do I got to do? Well, we want you to start a baseball program with Idris in the Bayview Hunters Point. And I'm like, no. and that's a daunting task. I mean, we're talking about wow. intimidation. Wow. We're talking about gangs, drugs, all sorts of problems, you know? And, you know, white guy going to the community, sort of like going, okay, all right, let's see what's up. So I met with Idris. Next thing you know, we've got a couple fields. We've got leagues generating. We're doing some some training. We're working with the Giants. We're getting involved. Some families are out there. And I used to live in the city, so I brought in some of my friends in to come in and help out. Year two, they're like, hey, Greg, dude, love you, man. Love love your heart, where you're at, what you want to do, but sorry, we can't help you. I mean, we, we had some... I got to be careful of my choice of words here, but like there was no competition allowed, right? It was a very friendly, no scorekeeping, but some parents were coming in and they wanted to beat my team or my buddy's team that we were all <laughs> helping the kids out. And it was super competitive. Yeah. Like, no, guys, no, this is not competitive, you know? So, but it, for me, that was it. And then I was looking at some ways, well, how do I, how can I make some money? And I haven't worked for anybody since outside of working for parents and making their kids' lives better through sports, the at-risk youth, the Developing programs and then becoming a trainer specifically to fight overweight and obesity was is my passion. It ended up uh-huh. rolling into I started a business called Fuse Fit for Kid Kid here in Los Gatos, in which excuse me the, the the STS is coming up right now. In which we opened up the first medically supervised facility for kids. So we had a doctor on site. It was uh-huh. gaming. It was interactive gaming fitness in 2007. Wow. It was awesome. But what happened was is it became something for uh, kids on the spectrum. So many autistic Asperger's uh, learning issues. We found that in a one-on-one environment or a group environment with lots of helping hands, it became a great way for these kids that couldn't survive or participate in a group setting because they, the coaches just wouldn't give them time. They'd be picking daisies, right? So that was great. And then I was training kids. But as soon as I broke my back again and after surgery, I couldn't do any of the groundwork. I couldn't do top load the spine. I couldn't do the plyometrics. Mm -hmm. You got to be able to run, hop, skip, and jump with kids. If you can't do the work with a kid that you're trying to, you're just another coach, a parent, or a teacher just telling them what to do, you know? So I miss it. Uh, To this day, I still get calls from occupational therapists, 
physical therapists, doctors, uh, pediatricians, working with kids. I don't hang up the phone. I am still involved in a non-paying way because it's still who I am. And now it's led into the youth programs that we have coming through trail running. So getting any kid that shows up it, to me and finishing and seeing the joy on their face is definitely 10x more than you finishing the, you know, oh, I love seeing you finish. Yeah, totally get that, man. Look at the partnership with Earl Hooks and yeah. Boys in the Woods, you know, what you've done with people who are visually and hearing impaired, things along those lines. Just being an innovator in so many levels in the trail community, hats off to you. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to move into that and talk about Earl and the program that he's done with Boys in the Woods is is spectacular. It's uh, But he's done so much more than just bringing them out to our races. It's giving them that experience of going out and adventuring. On surviving, trying something new, not being afraid, be your own man. It's just amazing. It, it really is. Well said. Absolutely. Emily Bard and her son, who is visually impaired and deaf, were bringing in the California School for the Blind and other organizations of visually impaired to be able to participate is that was even 100x on Earl's kids finishing, right? Because now, you know, you're looking at parents crying. And emotionally can't believe that their child was able to experience a race, something that they no way and they'd ever be able to see that happen, right? And, and it's happening. And, uh, you know, right now it's hard because uh, we can't do that. Visually impaired people can't have volunteers from Pacific Coast Trail Runs or, you know, our community that's, that's acted as guide runners for the visually impaired. So now it has to happen. So Emily, she's got to go out there, but her brother's now moved into town. So that's within the bubble. And E-Man is is getting some mileage into. He's now got a sprinting coach. He's got awesome. better shoes. He's fast. He's loving it. What are, what are the mechanics of that for a visually impaired runner? Like blindfold me and maybe we yeah. can try it together. <laughs> but one thing I've learned is anybody with a disability, they, they do everything. Just They're just like you. They just do it the mm-hmm. same way. They just have um, something's in the way. Speed bump, whatever you want to call it. But everything's the same. You know, cueing guiding is a whole nother discussion for sure. And I know that's tiring. Yeah. Uh, I just watched the old Dipsy movie from the seventies and the virtual trail film fest for uh range shadow running and aspire adventure running. I got to plug them guys. Cause I sponsor that virtual trail film fest. And yeah. this guy was queuing him for 7.2 miles. Go watch that movie, go download that film fest. And I heard about somebody queuing for a hundred miles for oh. Kyle Robidoux at Vermont 100. And at the end of the race, he, he's like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Mentally, he had to cue, rock, root, step, up, jump, go, move, back, wow. drop, pass, left, right. You know, it's like there's all these things. Brand. Wow. Wow. And wow. you keep talking. Wow. And you, if your mind has to focus on that the whole time, from what I understand, it's pretty life-changing. But you, wow. you, it's very, very emotionally draining, too. So, But there's a guy you should have on, Kyle Robidoux. Incredible. He just actually rode a bike 20 miles a bike. Wow. wow. Well, we do want to definitely get into what Pacific Coast Trail Runs is doing today in response to COVID. Just some amazing programs, both the, the nine-piece programs, but also this Together Relay. Tell us about how COVID hit your company, what your response was those early days, and then what you've done. Well, there is no business as far as what we know, know is live racing. Uh, live racing is what we all know. We're used to going, we pay, we get through your arrive. We start, we run, we finish, we go home, we celebrate. And it's definitely a unique environment. Advisory board member of the American Trail Running Association, I was asked to write a piece on virtual. And I call it my Jerry Maguire uh, manifesto. If you guys ever know, Jerry Maguire mm-hmm. wants to change the sports agent world and 
finds that the the integrity and morals of of agents is not really focusing on the athlete. And I wrote a good piece that basically exceptional virtual is not safe. I mean, this is you know in March, early April, where we shouldn't be promoting people going outside their homes. And and even now we're sort of in that weird space right now. But and then I watched these companies pulling in hundreds of thousands of dollars, and and I'm happy for them. I think that's great because they have a business to run and. Fast forward, it got me thinking, you know, I went to a large social media company about a year and a half ago about my idea for virtual trail time trials. And essentially, it's running the course and in a virtual manner. And then I've done it with Jam on Tam, Hum Up Bum, you know, Streak to the Peak was about to launch. And, you know, we got cut off because of the COVID. And it got me thinking, I'm like, okay, so virtual sort of this weird thing. It's different, right? You can run a treadmill, you can run around your house. You can put your phone on your Roomba and just let it go around everywhere and clean up your carpet at the same time while earning, you know, buckles for, you know, a hundred miles in 30 days. So, you know, you got people yelling at each other for double dipping on races, complaining this and that, and the spreadsheets, the management on the side of the race director, it's very messy, very, very messy. But eventually I knew it would come to the point and we're not there yet because we're still enjoying virtual, but where people are going to need more, they're going to need to do the real thing. They've done enough elevation challenges distance challenges, you know, now they're out. And so our new concept is called open course. And we just spent a lot of money and a good time with Power Lab to create this new concept called open course racing, uh, in which it's also called real course racing. Uh, We'll work on the marketing later, but you got to run the course. And while there won't be a start finish line or staging festival area, you will have to run that course. And in real time, your watch will communicate through the app and go up to a real-time leaderboard. So as you see right now, the Together Relay, people are doing the, the segments. We built essentially a 70-race event. There are 70 races going on at once. It's you run this trail, or it doesn't count. And then you can add all those 70 races up for one gigantic race that count in either as a total segment time, which is the time it took you to each run each segment, or it's the total lapse time from the first segment all the way to complete the 70th segment. So, and then there's individual point scorings for each segment. So trying to get as creative as possible, trying to do it, but I need to push the envelope for runners to be as close to the real thing as possible. So that's what open course is. Virtual's here, live is here. And well, we want to push open course to get it to here. It'll nothing will replace live, but building community having a Facebook group. We are working on new technology as we speak. What you look at right now is not even close to what we're going to be doing. So, you know, I think we're going to go with, I got two races this year. I think we're just going to go with Headlands and Skyland of the Sea. And so breaking it here, I've got four permits in the Headlands through this year. And if Headlands doesn't happen, it'll immediately go to open course for the rest of the year. But I'll also try to drop the live event in November or December where I have permits for the Headlands. So will we race? I don't know. But what I know is open course is the future. It really is. When you sign up for a PCTR race, you will always have the open course option as a fallback. So if you email me on Thursday night and go, no, better yet, you text me Friday night 11. Oh, I lost my babysitter tomorrow. Can I get a refund? Oh, what? <laughs> you lot, I'm, are you want me? What? No, that doesn't make sense. So check it out. You got 30 days to do the open course. Go for it. Run it. And so now we got a solution to people that can't make races that maybe they roll their ankle. And guess what? If it's not open for 30 days, then guess what? Go do the virtual 
Every race moving forward will have live, open course, yep. and virtual forever. If they don't, then they're missing the mark. So, yep. but how they put that up for registration, whether or not it's up front in the registration, or if it's part of the fallback, or I can't make the event, then you throw them in the open course. We'll see. So, but that's that's what I've had nothing but time to think about and do. Just really uh, happy that together, Relay Power Lab. I want to thank Catherine Fisher, Cameron Sluggett, Todd Glyden, and of course Harrison Blackwood, among others, that have been part of the PCTR team to make this happen. It's really it's just something I thought about years ago, and then it's like, oh my god, well now it's the time to do it. So, so together, Relay US, just getting started. And oh hey, we got we made a change. So if you have a relay team, you automatically get put on a solo team. If you're on a solo, if you're by yourself right now and you want to partner with somebody, just let us know and we'll create a relay team for you. We just that was part of a technological issue that we realized we couldn't separate emails and bib numbers and the coding and all the background. So but we realized, you know, instead of like regulating the relay team, oh, I only got four segments. Well, you know what? Now you got 70 segments. So you don't have to do them all. You can compete in one or more. Some people can't do 12 miles. Some people don't want to do one mile flat walk down Silver Creek, you know, so we'll see. It's uh, in the soft opening right now. We've got two weeks of this beta test, we'll call it, uh, but it's ready to go. The, the results that are there are live. They are working. I and mean, then we'll start promoting in a couple of weeks, but it's, it's so far so good. And it's awesome. I mean, I just ran one of the segments on Sunday. It's so cool to see 70 different segments, 70 different individual races that you can do all around the Bay Area. Yep. And for me, I didn't have a GPS watch, but I talked to the Power Lab folks, downloaded the Sun2 app, Sun2 app right on your iPhone, start it where you're starting it, finish when you're finishing it. You can run multiple apps at the same time. And it worked. And it worked. Oh. And it worked. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked. And I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, is that? am I going to appear on the leaderboard? What's going to happen? Turn the phone off, sign on the next day, and there it is. Yeah. Segment right there. We've got uh, Apple Watch is not fully set up yet, but you just saw how to do it through the Sunto app. I don't want people to go out and spend 600 bucks on a new watch. You know, there are cheaper versions, there are apps, but the future of this is that's where I'm going. We need to, we're trying to create the app, the GPS. The watch is a great thing, but we find most people have their phone on them anyway. So yep. why not be able to turn it on and battery life and trying to teach people about that? But again, yep. now, Kevin, you got to jump into the Facebook group. You got to share you go. your experience, and that yeah. that's part of trying to move the curve to the uh, the live. Is that share your experience? Hey, you know what, man? There was a water stop. I had no idea it was there. I brought way too much water. Or parking is busy at eight a.m. Go at ten, or you know, there's all these little things. It's like the person that goes to run uh, a race they've done every year, they know the ins and outs of every single part of that race. Whether or not that information gets shared or not is one thing. So this is really important that we share information that we build community around this and quite frankly uh the bay area ridge trail council i can't believe i didn't bring that up but you know we donate lots of money to every year because mm -hmm. of our runners and our ridge trail series this year it's really not going to happen i don't think we're going to have we've had one race but i don't think uh, outside of mount amina we'll have any of the others so this is our benefit for the bay area ridge trail council and i'm um, just just happy to be working with them and now they're actually going to end up with a circumnavigation app um, that we're developing right now with this too. So it's, you know, I think a lot of people have tried to figure out, hey, how do I do this trail? And and this isn't the perfect way. This is the beginning way. But now people are going to go explore the North yeah. like they never have. They're going to go, right. now they're going to plan a trip around wine country, you know? 
Now right. they're going to go support a local a restaurant that's been out of business. Now they're going to go to a running store in Healdsburg or San Francisco or wherever and check in because that's what this is about. It's not just going out there. It's about supporting the communities that have suffered. And retail just basically almost just got like the final kick out the door with COVID. So, and the restaurants, if you know restaurants, you know how hard it is to succeed. Save a few bucks, treat yourself, you know, go support those local restaurants or the food places that, and you'll find, wow, that was well worth it. And, and then not only are you getting a little exercise, you're taking a mini vacation, uh, but you're supporting local business as well. So, yeah, uh, same thing with the whole, well said, yeah. G, and the same thing with yeah. the hotels. Yeah. The whole hospitality oh. business as a whole has exactly. taken a huge hit. Oh. So, yeah, um, you get out and support any way possible. Yep. Fantastic. Oh. And what I love is, I mean, I think this is the perfect uh, type of event for planners, people that like to plan out the trail, like to plan out where they're going, how they get there, like to have, I mean, now you have 70 different goals. So, you know, each weekend you can do something or a couple of times during the week, you can go to, hey, plan all of this out. And it forces you to say, yep, I'm going to do this this weekend. I'm going to start here. I'm going to end here. I think it's a, it's a great event. It's a great way to really explore the whole uh, North Bay, the whole Ridge Trail system. Talk to us a little bit about all of the trails because, I mean, I just explored one here in the South Bay, but you go, you guys go all the way Penitentia Creek down at the bottom of Alum Rock. Okay, so you probably picked the flattest, easiest trail. Pro- <laughs> yeah, and uh, even there... It- Kevin, are you a roadrunner, Kevin? I'm yeah. mainly a roadrunner. I'm actually a crossfitter, so, you know, it's Good a... Morning, buddy. I got you. <laughs> there you go. Reel me in. Reel me in. Penitentia Creek is actually a connector trail. It's an urban trail that goes up into near Alum Rock. Great little stretch. You had to cross some streets. Not your traditional Barry Ridge Trail experience. And I wanted to go further, but I had my dog and I realized, oh, the dog, the dog can't go into Alum Rock. I didn't realize that until I got to the base. So. Yeah, and that's another part of that, right, too, where you know state parks don't allow dogs or county parks yeah. do, or it's got to be on leash, yeah. all that. Yeah, and those are all variables, too, that we got to add. But you're, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go on to Facebook. You're going to meet somebody. I guarantee you'll probably end up doing two segments with people you've never met before in your life just because, uh, hey, oh, that's cool. Can I join you? And that's that's what the trail community is. You know, you want to make sure you understand your elevation gains. You want to have your water hydration planned accordingly. But, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, I would just start local. So if you make mistakes with parking or planning, you didn't do a full commitment two hours away, you know, in Santa Rosa or Sonoma County, you know, so. Quicksilver's on my hood. I think I can uh, get B out there to help you out from Mockingbird to Hicks segment. Absolutely. We had Kevin out there a couple of weeks, two weeks ago, we had Kevin out there. And, uh, That's right. He yeah. was crushed. He's a, a closet <laughs> trail runner. Did you get him up to uh, Mount Alamo? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. But so that, here's what you're going to do. That dude can move. Drop him off at Hicks and uh, give him a map. And then you go and pick him up at the top of Mount Alamo. So it's a, basically like an eight mile jog and yep. hike up to the top very very friendly there's well there's one little section up barlow trail that'll that'll have you uh hands and knees but i think ultimately that'd be a great time because what's your distance uh kevin you go you run like 500 miles a week or uh no way are you kidding me yeah i run like maybe 20 miles a week okay. but 20 25 yeah so a big eight mile run hike up to the hill yeah. bertrand will be there Perfect. with uh, beers and food waiting for you yeah, and then <laughs> drive, drive down and, and then you plan your next segment. So, yeah. Vegan protein. Vegan protein drink. Yeah. <laughs> that is the nice thing. I mean, it is nice having at least one other person there to be able to drive you from 
one spot to the other because otherwise, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, while we do have the solo event, you need to be able to plan car one, car two, and then possibly even some water drops and stash locations and things like that. So you don't have to run the segments in sequential order. You can pick and choose, correct? Correct. Yeah. So our announcement right now with the soft opening is that we don't want people to go outside of their 10 mile radius, right? We want you to stay local right now. We're not we're not promoting the circumnavigation. The circumnavigation competition starts with segment one. And it's segment one. As soon as you launch your foot on that, it's go time. Now, however long it takes you to take that two months, when you sleep, you eat, you poop, it's on, right? So anything from that first step to completing 70 segments is the circumnavigation contest. We are not recommending people do that, but we can't stop people from doing that as well. To your point, the other competition is your total segment time, meaning if you go to segment 64 tomorrow and then you do North Bay segment 22 two days later, those segments will have individual times, right? And then once you complete all 70, you will have a total time and that'll be your score for time score. Now, we're also doing a point scoring system that if you have based on 100, and I think it'll work down to like 97, 94, 91 or whatever, that you can earn points based upon your standings for each segment. I think we're at about a 50 percentile. So the top 50 people uh, will score points and then the bottom 50 percentile will all earn the same bottom line score. So we're not trying to like do, like if you're in last, you're not going to get zero. We're not going to do that. So the bottom half will all share the same score because B, that's where we sort of live anyway. We, we don't want to embarrass <laughs> each other, right? We want to tie right. for last. <laughs> Definitely where I live. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Savor the aid stations. <laughs> we get more time. We get more bang for our buck. You know, that's right. Uh, that's right. Just hope there's food at the end, right? That's right. <laughs> Why do all of your segments go uphill? <laughs> there's none of them that go downhill, are there? Are there any flats? Are there any downhills? I was like looking through all of South Bay. I'm like, oh, uphill. <laughs> but tell them why. Why a lot of hills? I mean, that's what makes trail running so unique. You know, I want you to come have fun, but. You know, if you go home at the end of the day and you did the 20th hardest hill in the area, you don't really have much to talk about. But if you go, oh, my God, that was so crazy. You've got an experience for life. You know, so I, we have the hardest courses around, but we want but we have the best celebration also at the end. So you deserve that. Right. I know that it's hard and, and people tell me, Greg, why are your courses so hard? I go, well, because nobody else is doing it, first of all. And I love seeing you guys in pain. I love seeing you meet new challenges. I love you swearing at me when you finish. You know, <laughs> that's good. You know, and we've got EMTs and helicopters ready to go. So go have some fun, you know. Let's talk a little bit about, I mean, 2020, we know we're in the midst of a pandemic, but there are some operators out there still trying to pull off some live races yeah. here in California, certainly out of California. Yeah. Um, you can speak to that. And, and actually, where you've, let's talk more about your efforts in being an innovator with aid stations and things along those lines in the course of a pandemic? I mean, you've really been a, a trailblazer in those aspects. I formed the Race Director Alliance uh, with um, seven other race directors who are have been friends of mine and who I think are very creative and also passionate, and they focus on the experience. And then about four of them I've done beer miles with, so that's always key. Uh, <laughs> so we got four men, four women to create the Race Director Alliance. And we essentially started creating these guidelines and it took us a couple of months. But in the beginning, it was like, do this, do that, do this, do this, do this. And then we found out, no, I'm going to do this. And then you're going to do this. And then 
So we created what we called the guidelines. So we created the COVID-19 guidelines for racing in the future in which it's here. Here's sort of the guidelines. You make your own rules. Like if it's six feet, it's six feet, but maybe it's 75 feet for you on a trail. How are you going to do a race? You can do a staggered start. You're going to do waves. You can do bubble starts. You're going to do time trial start, space out of a minute. Are you going to race over multiple days? I mean, there are so many ways to produce a race, but there's very few ways to keep people safe. So the safety areas that we focused on were how to manage crews, how to manage your volunteers, how to manage your staff or employees, and then how to manage your runners and how to keep it all safe. So uh, without boring you through all the details, we essentially looked at every all four of those components, related them to a start finish, related them to an aid station, related them to flow of an event, related them to risk management to the X, man. It, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Are yep. you doing all you can do to be safe? There's a lot of race directors will never produce a race again because they're afraid of the liability and the risk, and they should be. You know, just because you sign something on a piece of paper doesn't mean that you can't sue somebody for negligence, right? And then there's gross negligence. We talk about things like that and, and how to be responsible race directors. And it's really more so than ever, the part that I'm excited about the most is that runners need to be more accountable than ever. Too many racers and runners show up at races. It's great. Hey, you go to the turkey trot every Thanksgiving in San Jose, 30,000 people. Guess what? You're, you're going to get banked left because there's a horse, there's a barricade, there's a police officer. You're not getting off course, right? You're going to get corralled. It's like you're just, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, you're just <laughs> right up through, right up through. Let's go. Right. And trail running, people show up my race, go, Greg, your course was horribly marked. I got lost like six times. And I go, wow, that's crazy because the top 10 finishers said it was perfect and they, they were here really quick and they had a great time. And, you know, you yep. do what you can for everybody, but you've got to be alert. You've got to be prepared. And it goes to the Together Relay and the Barry Nine Peaks Challenge is like, I'm not going to give you guys all the answers. You know, I want you guys to figure it out. I want you guys to do some research. I've given you tools. I've given you books. I've given you apps. I've given you links. I've given you GPS coordinates. Sit down, plan your adventure, because guess what? That's what you would do when you go to Yosemite anyway. That's what you would do when you would go to the Sierras or the Cascades and you want to bag that next peak, go jump in that glacial alpine lake take a selfie, show the world, you have to plan. So now when you go to these races, you better be taking extra special precaution that you need to be accountable for yourself too. I'll do all I can. We will. We all as race directors, we will retrain ourselves. But now it's about self-accountability and reliability and take care of yourself. Plan better. Well said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Before we get too far off from Together Relay, I'd love to give the audience some knowledge about team sizes, cost, swag, all that mm. kind of stuff. I'm a little different, so I'm probably the most expensive game in town. A lot of that has to do with just because I think of this as a premium event. I don't want to be, um, you know, be like I go stay at your hotel. I'm going to stay at a nice hotel, right? I'm not going to stay at a bad hotel. Well, I do stay at bad hotels, don't get me wrong, but when you go to um, a place a good restaurant is the easiest thing. You know you're going to spend a lot, but you better get that in return. So that's how I operate, right? Is that yep. I'm giving you, you're going to pay more with me, but I'm going to give you more in return. And that's just sort of the bottom line. The team sizes go all the way up to 10 people per team. Is that right? Yeah. How do they sign up? So yeah, so togetherrelay.us, uh, we've got it located on Ultra Sign Up. It'll explain to you, get your Power Lab account. You've got a free Power Lab account through the end of the year, 1231 at minimum. And then 
We're going to get some jackets made, probably send those out now in September. And the jackets are great because then when you're on the road, you're going to be able to wave to somebody. You're going to, there's that instant connection of like, oh, you're also doing this together, really, right? I mean, and great. It's still a great value, man. It's not a one day event. It's not a week event. It's not a month event. I mean, you have to the end of the year, exactly. you're running the Barrier Ridge Trail, you know, almost 400 miles, 70 segments, <laughs> great swag, charismatic race director, That's right. well run, That's right. know, husband, wife team, <laughs> Western States finisher. The chef of chefs, the chef of chefs <laughs> when we get back to live racing, right? We didn't even talk about that. Oh, we haven't even, yeah. And the amount of effort that went into creating this event, you know, I think anybody could put on one of these virtual races of like, hey, here's one coordinate, but 70 races, yeah. GPS coordinates mapped out, starting points, ending points, all of that put online for you to yeah. find the segments. And then the power lab component, yeah. which is, Go run that race, turn your GPS watch on, turn your app on, and it automatically gets updated. Yeah. I mean, my mind was blown, and I'm in technology all day long, every day. My mind was blown. I'm like, I'm on the leader. What? Didn't I have to? Boom. I mean, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Mad props for setting it up, for having the foresight and the wherewithal to put this together. And I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that this will be a yearly event, something that is able to outlast COVID because, I mean, people need these milestones. People need these challenges in their life oh, to yeah. be able to to sign up and, and do it yeah. and, and experience this trail, which I think, I mean, I've, I've experienced a couple of different segments yeah. at different points you, in time, but I mean... You haven't seen yeah. anything yet. You've, <laughs> you've been hanging down here. We got to get you up here. <laughs> and under the trees and the canopy, the duff running in the peninsula is going to be amazing. The connection that you can make with Tam and going up into Mount St. Helena and seeing some really rocky, difficult climbs um, and just learning from other people, meeting new friends. You're going to have a whole new community built around your own experience and it'll be awesome. But I appreciate you guys uh, reaching out. Glad to share this with you guys. It's been awesome. So thank you. And support local. Yeah. I mean, Right. Greg is, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a barrier guy. Yeah. He's devoted, he and his wife, so much time and energy and giving back, you know, sacrificing time to make sure people enjoy their running experience, enjoy their running journey. And there are a lot of these race organizers popping up from out of state that don't have vested time in the community where Pacific Coast Trail Runs does. Support your local race organizers. Su support Pacific Coast Trail Runs, without a doubt. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hey, guys, I got to get going. Support local. Thank you so much. And hikers are welcome, too. Togetherrelay.us. Send emails to runpctr at gmail.com. Again, Greg Lansot, my wife, Jennifer Lopez Lansot. And introducing new race director, KK Fisher, also known as Catherine ah. Fisher, uh, will be joining mm -hmm. us on this journey. She is 100% enthusiasm and motivation and uh, a rock star on these trails. and. Once we do the complete launch, you guys will know it's going to be a, an amazing thing. So thank you guys for the support and just reach out to us anytime. Thanks, Greg. Take care now. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Race Mob Podcast. Check out all of the show notes or find a running buddy online at racemob.com. Please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a review. Until next time, keep on moving. <laughs>